do your research and make it worth your while. So do your research before you attend, make it worth your while afterwards with that outreach. It's uh, definitely relationship driven, being in the industry for a while and knowing the key people. Welcome to the Exchange Feed podcast series. This is your host, Omar Kafagi, a manager of corporate access at TMX Group. In today's podcast, we will be discussing investor conferences, what to look for in a conference when deciding on participation, and where the future of investor conferences and investor meetings is going in a world that's gone more virtual than ever. We have a couple of guests joining us today. First off, Christina Cameron. Christina holds over 20 years of life sciences capital markets experience, where she has held a multitude of positions within the investment community in the areas of investment banking, equity sales, and investor relations. Christina currently works with a chosen group of life sciences companies. Her current clients have a market cap that ranges from $75 million to $300 million in Canadian dollars. Thank you for being with us today, Christina. Thank you. Our next guest is Suzette Ramcharan from Win Expertise. Suzette has 20 years of capital markets experience, mainly focused in the metals and mining sector, having worked with the small to mid-cap companies, providing investor relations and corporate development support. Suzette is also currently involved with a tech startup that is launching a mobile contact management app that helps professionals build relationships in a convenient and effective manner. Suzette, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Omar. So I want to begin today's discussion by uncovering the different types of investor conferences and investor events that issuers participate in. So Suzette, maybe you can start us off and, and walk us through the differences um, in, the, in the types of investor events and conferences that issuers um, participate in, whether it's paid or bank-sponsored, uh, retail versus one-on-one, and really, in, in general, just walk us through the differences. There's uh, paid versus sponsored. Um, so paid conferences are, are put on by um, conference organizers where you as the issuer have to pay a, p- a fee to attend. And then they go out and seek investors and those investors usually attend for free. Um, on a sponsored conference, it's usually put on by a bank or a brokerage house. Um, there's no fee for you as the company to attend, um, either for the investors. Um, the banks foot the bill for that, but it's usually part of their wheelhouse and their coverage universe. Um, And then there's also your institutionally focused versus your retail conferences, Uh, institutionally focused conferences. Again, you're looking at um, institutions or high net worth uh, individuals or family office type um, uh, investors. And then the retail is usually your your broad based retail outreach. Um, So these conferences are open to the public, sometimes a small nominal fee, but they are um, important, um, whether it's one or two that you do per year. Um, it gives you visibility and it gives you a chance to meet your, your retail shareholder where they would not have direct access to you otherwise. So, so they are important in their own right. Um, the bank sponsor conferences are usually the best ones to be part of, but they're harder to be part of because they're by invite only. So I think it's looking at the calendar ahead and planning when these conferences are. And when you're talking to um, the bankers and analysts, um, don't be shy to bring up the different conferences and see where you can get those invites. Great. So if you don't happen to get invited to those bank-sponsored conferences, how do you find other conferences and how do you make sure um, 
it's the right audience and what exactly are you looking for when when deciding on to participate in a specific conference and maybe christina we could start with you Sure. So I like to see what companies have presented in the past and if those companies are in a similar sector and size. If I'm not already aware of the conference, I'll reach out to a company that I know that has participated and ask their feedback. I also look at what type of investors have attended their past conferences as I want to see a good mix of investors. Uh, the ones that I feel um, work well are the ones that have one-on-one meeting components around it, um, a lot as, um, also with a, a main presentation. Um, some of the conferences, they'll have like webcast feature, which is a great add-on uh, because then you can sh uh, share on your social media feeds and website. Um, so a lot of uh, the choices out there um, to go through, but um, don't be afraid to ask other investors and uh, companies uh, to know what's uh, worked uh, in the past for them. And yeah, that yeah, I'll just add on that. Uh, sorry, Omar, I cut you off. But um yeah, and one thing I always uh, tell issuers is, you know, it's really great to develop a network early. And mm -hmm. so when you can go to your peers and vet, vet the conferences through them as well. Mm -hmm. um, we, have a, we have a couple different mining groups that I'm a part of. And uh, if something is proposed and I've never heard of it before, I'll usually go to that, that group and sort of suss it out there. But yeah, definitely everything else Christina said, it also depends on demographic and geographic location. Um, for example, um, one company that I work for, we have assets in the Northwest Territories, but the the land package and the geologic setting is very similar to that of the Kalgoorlie camp in, in Western Australia. And we were told that our story would resonate well with uh, Australian investors. So I did do a targeted um, outreach to see which conferences I could uh, gain access to that uh, investor base. Um, so that's also something to consider. And so that, what are the key things that you typically look for from conference organizers before and after the conference? Um, so, you know, the conference organizers should be there to help you every step of the way. And again, you shouldn't feel um, any means in reaching out and asking whatever questions you have. But a lot of the work really falls on your shoulders as, as the IRO. Um, so I, I utilize the conference organizers to, to help me get uh, set up. Um, if there's any technical issues, but again, when you're doing outreach and when you're when you're reaching out to potential investors, that all falls on you. Um, do your research. Um, at the end of this, you know, the question is going to be, what's the most important thing? Do your research. Uh, make sure that you have a, a good handle on the type of investors you want to seek, and then uh, find out um, when you're doing your targeting if those investors meet your criteria. Because the last thing you want to do is waste your time. You've already spent so much money on attending the conference in the first place. The other important uh, component that I always uh, do for conferences is trying to get to know who the conference organizer specifically is and selling them on the story because they're the ones that are actually going out and getting the investors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I didn't get that point in there, and I think that's an important one. Great. So, so moving on to um, how do you measure success when you participate in a conference? And um, I say that because knowing the small cap and the micro cap space Budgets are limited, and you're not able to to participate in as many conferences as you would like to. So, I'm uh, curious to know, Christina, how do you factor in um, participating in conferences when taking a look at the IR budget, and how do you measure your return on investment when you participate in a specific investor conference or an investor event? 
Yeah, as you said, if, uh, conferences aren't on the cheap, uh, so you have to make sure that you're making your dollars uh, work for you. It's good to have a full IR budget and from that, like what you're comfortable in spending in a conference. Uh, actually, this year, it's been a little bit less expensive. Uh, co companies I've seen do a little bit more because of um, it being virtual. So the travel um, and the cost of hotels, um, a lot of companies have been using that budget more to do um, extra virtual conferences, which has been good. Uh, looking at what to look at for return on investment, I would look to see um, how many new contacts I have met through the conference. Um, also, if those investors are the right ones, if they're um, the ones that would invest in this uh, space and uh, size. And uh, you can look at your volume afterwards and your follow-up. So follow-up being key, once you follow up with an investor, you can see if there's an interaction there and conversation that you're having, and then you know that that's a, a hot uh, contact that you got from that conference. And so I'm wondering if you have a different approach when you're measuring um, ROI or how successful your participation was. No, it's pretty similar. I mean, we, we rate each conference based on how it met our goals. Um, you know, the number of quality meetings, the type of exposure we, we received at that conference, whether it be via um, a webcast, as Christina mentioned, that, that's not only um, the in-person attendance, but as well how it's distributed after the fact and how you utilize that as well. Um, those are kind of the key things for, for return on investment. Um, and again, yeah, the virtual conferences um, afford you a little bit more because you're not spending your time um, on accommodation and travel and such. Um, and there's pros and cons, and I think you have a question on, on the pros and cons of that as well. Um, but, you know, if it's a first-time conference, you, again, do your research, and then once you attend, you know, just have a, a checklist and go through the checklist and make sure that it, it met the goals that you wanted to meet. And then if it's not the conference for you, just make sure you don't make that mistake the second time around. Mm -hmm. And Christina, you brought up a really good point on following up with investors or whoever you met with during a, an investor conference. I was wondering if you're able to share with me, what are other best practices that you uh, typically implement in order to make the most out of that follow-up or out of those engagements uh, with investors at a, at a specific event? Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Follow-up is the biggest important factor in all of this. Um, what I try to do in the meeting is I try to make a personal connection with the investor. I try to make note of it. So after the meeting, I could uh, follow up uh, with personal emails um, for investors to remember um, specifically the company and the takeaway messages. Because you have to think these investors are meeting a lot of companies, so you need to stand out. Um, and then afterwards, I'll also connect on the different social media channels like LinkedIn and Twitter, because having a, a face behind it, too, will help resonate the story. Yeah, right. it's a similar thing on my end. Um, you make sure and you, you reach out to every single person that you've met with, you know, thank them for their time, offer any additional information. Um, again, make sure that you, you do this in a timely fashion. And it does take time to, to do individual outreach, but it is really worth it. And as Christina said, I really like that um, adding them on LinkedIn. I do that off and on, not all the time, but perhaps I'll start, I'll implement that. Thanks, Christina, I'll do it a lot more. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, again, you've, you've spent so much time and effort on attending these conferences. It's not just to show up, meet someone and then forget about them. So you really are trying to build a connection. So I want to shift our focus now to the bank-sponsored events. And for companies that don't necessarily have 
research analyst coverage, it tends to be a little bit more difficult to get invited to those events. So my question is, how does a company go about getting an invite to, to the bank-sponsored events? And really, how does a company go about trying to pick up some analyst uh, coverage on the research side? Thanks, Omar. Um, you know, in the metals and mining space, it's a, it's a small sector. Um, so I think, you know, I always come back to relationships and, and building those in relationships are important. So getting to know the, um, the groups that are, are specific to your, your sector. So in my case, metals and mining um, and building out those relationships. Now, uh, obtaining analyst coverage, it falls on the shoulders of the IRO or the company to uh, put in front of the um, analyst and the research team all of the compelling uh, reasons why a story is something that, that, that should be part of their coverage universe. And you have to know what an analyst is looking for in order to present that properly. Um, but without having analyst coverage, as I mentioned, it, it goes back to the relationship. So again, for example, um, one of the companies that I'm, I'm currently working with, we don't have coverage from one of the bigger banks, but we're invited to their conference because over my 20 years of experience, my CEO's you know, 20 some odd years of experience and my CFO, we've all had dealings with this bank. So if you're able to build long lasting relationships, I think that goes a long way. And again, not just for conferences, not just for analyst coverage, for a lot of other things, especially in the sector in which you operate. Christina, anything else to add? That summarized uh, it perfectly. Uh, again, it's uh, definitely relationship driven, being in the industry for a while and knowing the key people, uh, trying to present why uh, your story would fit in and uh, going from there. But uh, it's all about relationships. Excellent. And, and one of the things that I want to add here is as a part of a new corporate access program we're launching at TMX, we're able to provide issuers with a list of analysts that cover their peers. And I think just knowing who covers your peers and having a list of their contact information and starting a dialogue with them and trying to build um, a compelling case as to why you, can, you deserve this coverage, I think that would go a long way um, as well. So... Moving on to, uh, to the difference or, or the upside and the downside of having an in-person versus a virtual conference. And we now live in a world that's more virtual than ever. And we've seen a huge shift in focus on the virtual investor events. So while the virtual setup is definitely, you know, has it, it definitely has it, its, its advantages, it also has some downsides. So I wanted to get your perspective on you know, virtual events and comparison to in-person events and what role does the virtual uh, environment play in the future of investment investor events? Um, yeah, I'll take that one, Omar. Um, so, you know, there's positives and negatives, as you mentioned. So positives for the virtual would be it is more cost effective because you're not spending money on travel and accommodation. Um, as well, it's, it's a better use of your time because you're not spending time on a plane and hopefully you're not jet lagged. Um, and then you're not running from meeting to meeting, especially if these, it's these speed dating type ones where you're usually running, um, you need five minutes in between each meeting to get to the next meeting. Um, so I think the virtual conferences are here to stay um, for that reason. Uh, again, if you know, I wanted to attend an Asia Pacific conference um, and I don't have to get on a plane, yeah, my time zone for the meetings might be different, but at least I'm in the comfort of my own home or my own office. Um, the negatives, however, is you're missing that human element, especially when you're meeting someone for the first time. Um, so I think that's that's one of the negatives, and that's why there are still a lot of investors that prefer that that in-person meeting. 
That's a perfect answer. And just to add to that, um, I definitely feel that virtual is um, here to stay, uh, especially with how you're saving tremendous with, uh, with that. It's much more efficient on many levels. However, I do feel that in-person will definitely make a comeback and there'll be both um, avenues for uh, issuers to choose from. Uh, for an in-person, there's that personal connection that could be made. There's this conference series that I always... Um, go to with my clients that have been very effective and the second day is all networking and to be truthful i find a lot of the connections being made on the golf course for instance where you could you've got five hours to go through your story and you meet that investor on a personal level so that you kind of miss from the virtual aspect so a combination of both i think uh, will be in the future so with the, with the convenience of the virtual setup and with with you know, your, your cost saving there. I'm, I'm wondering if the virtual setup exposed either of you to larger pools of capital over the last few months, uh, whether it's cities that you might have not planned to visit in, in, in previous years. Um, has that been the case or, or do you don't feel that there has been a significant role that the virtual setup playing into exposing you to larger pools of capital? Um, no, I think I think um, you're quite right in what you said. Um, as I mentioned, some of these conferences that are over in Australia or Asia Pacific, um, it, it's it's a tough sell to to plan to attend one of those conferences with a small budget, um, you know, especially with a, a market cap of under 100 million. So it, it definitely does have have the the advantage for for that reason. Um, but again. You know, it, it de definitely doesn't replace an in-person meeting. And, and as Christina mentioned, the networking is so valuable. Um, you really, really can't replace that with the virtual. Mm -hmm. For sure. So sadly, we, we're up on time. But before I conclude today, I, I wanted to ask each of you to share the most important takeaways that you'd like the listeners to leave with after today's discussion. And maybe we'll start with you, Suzette. Um, really simple is that do your research and make it worth your while. So do your research before you attend, make it worth your while afterwards with that outreach. To add to that, I would say just get out there, tell your story, make a connection with investors and ensure to follow up. Follow up is key with these individuals. Excellent points. So that and Christina, it's been a pleasure chatting with both of you today. On behalf of the team here at TMX, I wanted to thank you both for your time and for the great insights. And I'm sure that many of our illicit issuers will definitely benefit from listening to this podcast. So thank you. Thanks, Omar. Thank you.